This morning, if you don't get anything else out of the sermon, I want you to get this. You really need to be honest with God about how you feel. Too many of us don't. We're just not honest with God. We think that we need to put our best foot forward or our, our, our best clothes on for God, put our best front on. But you know what? God wants to know who you are. All right? So please, take to God your feelings and let him know how you feel. Today we're going to talk about anger, and we're going to start it off just like Michael wants to start it off. On the count of three, we're going to recite the screen all together. One, two, three. Anger is not the boss of me. Boy, howdy. Some of you sounded like you were angry when you said that. <laughs> Y'all were much better than the nine o'clock. Listen, you're winning today for sure. Anger is not the boss of me. Until it is. Just last Sunday, I was sitting over here, and I felt some anger. I did. Michael was in doing the growth class, and, and he wasn't making it out here in time, so I ran in here and started the service, as some of you might remember. And then we had the offertory, and he, he just walked in at the offertory and sat down. Now, I had done everything. <laughs> now, I'm just going to let you know that right now. I had done everything. And I was sitting right there, and then they had the offertory, and all the little kids come up to put their cans in the box, you know, right? And then they run up on stage to give us high fives and fist bumps. And I stood there, and they all left me high and dry. They went straight to Michael. I was not happy about that. Surprise, you may pay for being the associate. Anger. What is anger? We can look it up in the dictionary, and it can tell us all kinds of things. But the one thing that I want to focus on that it showed me when I looked it up in the dictionary, you can't see it, so I'm going to blow it up for you. Anger is a strong or powerful emotion or feeling. We need to know that. It's strong and it's powerful. And that's part of the trap that anger has, is that it does surge energy through us when we feel anger. It's a strong emotion. Now, for some of us, we might have been born with a temperament that's kind of, I don't know, maybe grumpy. Okay? Now, Sharon, I didn't even look at you when I said that. I didn't, it's, okay. it's okay. All right. Yeah, 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 I know. I know you will. I would say something about Michael, but he has way too many opportunities to get back at me. So, uh, and, and by the way, Michael and Jen are out having a relaxing time somewhere up north. They needed it, okay? So pray for them. Uh, so, so, so some of us can say that we were raised that way. We, we learned it from our guardians. We can also say, some of us, that we were just born that way. Okay? <laughs> some of you have this even kill. Nothing really ruffles your feathers. You're just okay all the time. Nothing gets you out. And this is what the little guy says to those of you people. Well, good for you. <laughs> because, folks, we all really experience anger at some point in some time in our lives, okay? Let me tell you what goes on. This is just a layman. Now, I didn't do a lot of study on this, but just enough to, to probably hurt myself. What happens when we go through anger? Here it is, the amygdala, okay? The amygdala, that's that little red spot right in the center of your brain in here 
that controls emotions, okay? It is the fight or flight part of your brain. And what happens when that gets activated is that endorphins rush in, all kinds of chemicals. You get this surge of energy when that happens. The problem is, is that the blood, and, and Scott Horn, if you're here, just close your ears like you didn't hear what I'm saying, okay? The problem is, is that blood flows through that frontal lobe, going straight to that control center. And when it does, the frontal lobe that controls decision-making can get clouded just for a moment. And so the old adage, if you get angry, count to 10, is not bad advice because your judgment can get clouded just for a moment because you're feeling such a rush of all those things. Another thing to remember about anger is that anger is a secondary emotion. It doesn't just pop up on its own. You're just not angry. No, something triggered the anger. It is a secondary emotion to what's already going on. An example would be you're driving down the road with your family, and you have ever experienced this. You ever had anger? It starts out like this. You're driving down, the kids are in the back, your spouse is over here, and somebody says, I'm hungry. Okay, drive a little bit longer. When are we going to stop and eat? You see, they were hungry, and now they're hangry, and now they're angry. And they get anger. Now, everybody in the car knows that you're not going to starve to death. You're going to find some place to eat. But see, a basic instinct is that I'm going to guard the physical stuff that I need, and that's I'm hungry. And if you've better been in a family very long, you know in your family who's going to bust the piston first. And in our family, it's my wife. She's, oh shoot, she's here. Uh, who's going to get hangry first? It's the therapist in the car. Okay, I pointed that out to her one time. She said, that's fine, shut up and get me some chicken nuggets. All right, get there. It's always something else that's driving the anger. And it's usually an emotion that we don't want to deal with. Let's say that you're lonely or you're sad or you feel some guilt or some, some, some shame in your life. You don't want to deal with feeling vulnerable about that. That's too difficult. So it's really easy to go to anger because, see, anger, you get that rush. You get that fight or flight. You can be mad, and it makes you feel in control and powerful. And it's a trap. See, because the truth What's going on is that we see the anger above the surface, but there is a gigantic stuff that's going on under the waves where we're actually drowning. This is what we show. Show this, but hide all of these things that are underneath it. And that's why I want to tell you today that you really need to tell God how you feel because this is a trap. It's a very effective trap, too, to feel that kind of surge of energy and stuff like that. Let's say you're at the airport, and you see a teenager, and they looked scared. They looked frightful. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to go up and say, do you need some help? Are you lost? What do you need? Okay. Or let's say you see an older couple, and they look bewildered. They don't look like they don't know where they are. What's, you, you go to them, and you say, do you need some help? 
okay? Let's say that you see a person coming towards you that is clearly angry and hostile. What do you want to do? Mm Mm-mm. Let's avoid that person. So anger is something that actually detaches us from the rest of people in our lives. Too often, anger has done that to me. Anger's not the boss of me until it is. I want to give you some clues today to help. The first thing you need to do is stop and have compassion for who you are. How do you do that? You acknowledge that you're angry. Most of us say, Troy, I just can't let it go. The reason you can't let it go is you've never really engaged what it is. It's not anger. It's something else. And I'm telling you right now, God wants to know what that is. But you have to come clean and say, I'm angry. Tell God how you feel. Acknowledge that feeling. It is a feeling. Don't beat yourself up about it and don't blame other people for your anger. Acknowledge, I am angry. Stop and do that. The next thing you need to do is slow down. With all the endorphins and the chemicals rushing through you, anger says, you got to act right now. No, you don't. No, you don't. Some of the best advice a good friend named Jim Acock gave to me was, Troy, when you are angry and a situation makes you angry, don't act on it today. Okay? If it's not life-threatening, act on it tomorrow. And stop the movie in your mind. You see, I don't know about you, but I start these movies in my mind. As a matter of fact, we could produce them. They'd be great because I'm starting to tell everything that's going to happen to this situation. And I've got the characters all lined out, what they're going to say, what I'm going to say. I always win. I'm the hero. And so you probably are too. The greatest place for me to do that is when I'm mowing the lawn. I'm mowing the lawn and I'm just talking and I'm telling it how it's going to be and everything like that. I'm in my own world until I look up and see my wife with a cup of tea or a glass of tea. And she's looking at me like this. And I shut the mower off and go for the glass of tea. And she said, who were you talking to? I said, oh, I was just singing. She goes, mm-hmm. No, you were killing someone. <laughs> 90 to 95% of everything we are worried about or angry about, it never happens. Stop the movie in your mind. Stop the movie in your mind. The next thing I want you to do is to think and wish compassion on everyone and everything. This is not going to happen overnight, guys. But the very fact that when Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me and said, you are forgiven, I relinquished all my control about judging other people. Don't have that right anymore. He's the judge. He's the one that does that. And some of you out there are saying, well, I've never accepted Christ, so I still can retain that judgment. Let me tell you something about that. Other than having a really bad retirement plan when you get out of this life, the fact of it is letting go of judgmental ways and anger about that kind of stuff is so freeing when you don't have to control all that stuff anymore. One last thing I'll say about the types of anger. Justifiable anger, that's my own term. Justifiable anger. We're going to fill in the blank here. I bet you can do it. It isn't. It's the same thing your kids say to you when you say it's time to take a bath or it's time to study or go to bed. It isn't. It isn't fair. Okay? Who told them that life was fair? 
Think about that just for a moment. Life isn't fair, okay? But I'm not talking about just fairness. I'm talking about something that happened to you that is justifiably you're angry about. You had nothing to do with it. Someone harmed you or wronged you, and you're justifiably angry about it. The fact of it is those hurts are the hardest to let go of because you were right. Get it. You really were. We're going to look at a man by the name of Jonah. You remember Jonah? Jonah, if, 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 you, if you learned like me, you learned most of them veggie tales, right? Jonah was the prophet, Mm-mm, and he never really got it. Okay, okay. Never mind. Okay. It's a really great song, but the fact of it is, I really don't agree with the song. Because, see, Jonah really did get it. He really did, and you'd have to culturally know what was going on in his time to get it. But let's talk about him just for a moment. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittah, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and crowd against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish. From what? From the presence of the Lord. Now, he wasn't scared of Ninevites. He was running from God. And here's something that's very interesting that you need to know too. Amatea means truth. Jonah was the son of truth. That's going to come up later. So Jonah gets on, he goes down to Joppa, he buys a ticket, he gets on a ship that's going to take him the furthest away from Nineveh that he can. He is running from God. But God says, no, no, no. You're not running from me. You're a prophet, Jonah. You should know you're not going to get that done anyway. There's nowhere you can go. David said, if I go into the heights of heaven, into the depths of hell, there you are, God. You can't run from God, but Jonah's going to try. So he gets on this ship, and all of a sudden a storm comes. And the sailors are going nuts. They're going crazy. There's waves 50 foot high, and they're just, they don't know what to do. We're doomed. Where's Jonah? He's asleep. You see, he said, God, if I can't run away from you physically, I'm going to run away from you going to sleep. I'm not going to listen to you. The captain comes down and says, are you nuts? We're fixing to perish. Everybody's up praying to their gods. Go up there and pray to your God. So Jonah goes up there. Everybody's praying to their gods, but Jonah flatlines it. He ain't talking to God. You are the high court God. I've got nothing to say. Take the fifth. It's at this point where we understand Jonah is really angry, very angry. Things don't get better. The storm continues. It gets worse. They cast lots as they do and throw them out there to see whose fault this is. And the lot, of course, falls to Jonah. And they said, who are you? He said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a prophet. I follow the God of the sky and the ocean. They go, this is your fault. He said, yep, it is. So they say, what's the plan? He says, throw me in. Throw me in? Now, the problem here is that too many of us Christians, we know the story too well, and we think, well, he's going to get swallowed by a fish. Jonah doesn't know that. When you read the Word of God and you read the stories, start remembering that you know more than most of the characters that are in that story, okay? No, Jonah doesn't know he's going to be swallowed by a fish. He thinks he's going to die. So look at what he's doing. If I can't run away from you physically, if I can't run away from you in sleep, I'm going to die and get away from you, God. So they do. 
is throw him overboard, and he's swallowed by a fish. It was in this fish for the next three days that Jonah has a big talk with God. And he's thankful and has a prayer to God in thankfulness that God's going to spare him and God's going to have compassion on him. The interesting thing was is that it's not a prayer of repentance. He's not sorry. He's just thankful he's not going to die. So the uber fish spits him up on the shore near Nineveh. And God says, it's time for you to go do what I asked you to do. So Jonah does. Sulkily goes to Nineveh. Nineveh is so large that it takes three days to walk across it. And Jonah goes out telling them, you've got 40 days, guys and gals. If you don't change something in 40 days, God's going to destroy you. Okay? They do it. They repent. This gigantic city repents. The king repents. It makes it kind of a national thing that everybody has to do. And God says, I have compassion on them. And Jonah says, if I can get this to work, I am very angry, God. Why is Jonah so angry? You may be wondering that yourself. But in the culture that he's in, remember something. These Ninevites, coming from the Assyrians, had enslaved, murdered, killed, raped, plumaged, tortured the Israelite people for centuries. Jonah is saying, this is not fair, God. So, this is what Jonah says. He says, God, this is the reason I ran in the first place. This is the reason I ran to Tarshish. He said, because you are full of grace, full of compassion, slow to anger, full of mercy. God's going, that sounds pretty good to me. But if you don't know what comes next or what doesn't come next, you'll miss the whole thing. Because everything Jonah is saying to God that you are, God said to Moses on Mount Sinai when he gave the Ten Commandments. After the people had sinned and Moses went back up to Sinai to make restitution for them, God said, Moses, this is who I am. God said to Moses, I'm full of grace, I'm full of compassion, I'm slow to anger, I'm full of mercy, and the thing that he left out, truth. Jonah left out you're the God of truth. Here's the son of Amittai, the son of truth, saying to God, you're not the God of truth. You're the God who changes your mind about punishing the unjust. And I'm really angry about it. So Jonah goes up on the hillside east of the city and sits down on the hill to wait and see what happens to Nineveh. God's already told him he's going to spare him. But something's driving that anger. And Jonah wants justice. So God says, is it right for you to be angry? And he says, yes. I don't want to live in a world where there's no justice. I just want to die. And the day goes on. Sometime during that day, maybe the evening, God does something that's very interesting. 
to teach Jonah a lesson. The Bible says that God makes a gourd to come up. Now, the Hebrew says a leafy plant. But it's a plant that gives lots of shade for Jonah. And so Jonah is very happy and says, ooh, nice plant just for me. God loves me. He has compassion for me. And Jonah was very happy. Story's not over. You see, because later that day, God sends a worm. And the worm looks at the plant and says, you shouldn't be here. Why not? He eats the plant. But here's the thing. What's the plant symbolize? Does it symbolize justice? Or does it symbolize compassion? Well, Jonah can tell you it's compassion. God loves me, and God did love Jonah. He wanted to show him compassion. But here's the thing. If the plant is compassion, that worm is justice. And God's going to tell Jonah this. He's going to tell him essentially, look here, Jonah. You had compassion for a plant that shouldn't be here in your world of justice. It sprung up overnight, didn't have any seeds. It didn't take long to cultivate it at all. Nobody watered it. It didn't take months to grow. It just sprung up. And in your world of justice, it shouldn't be here, right? And Jonah is extremely unhappy. And God says, <laughs> are you right to be angry, Jonah? He says, yes, because I don't want to live in a world without compassion where things just die. And at this point, I think Jonah starts to realize something. He starts to realize that we don't want to live in a world where there's no justice. But we don't live in a world that has no compassion either. And God says, you did nothing for the plant. I'm the creator. And you had compassion for something that shouldn't even have been. He said, Jonah, I'm the creator of those people in Nineveh. When you are faced with decisions that you just can't make, or your anger just boils over, you can't handle it. You have to leave those decisions to God. Have compassion on yourself when you feel it. Acknowledge you're having an emotion, all right? Tell God about it. Slow down. Don't make things up in your mind and take up time doing that. What I learned about my anger is that my anger can steal away my life one moment at a time. All the times I think about it. And wish compassion on others because compassion was given to you. You see, God dealt with Jonah with compassion. And it's our hope that we can do the same thing. Tell God how you feel. Start there and slow down. Have compassion on others. And perhaps at some point in some time, the chains that hold us, called anger, we can experience freedom.